0: You guys excited? You came to church. Um, my notes are all out of order here. That's a great start. Um, so we're just gonna, yeah, we're gonna roll with that. Thank you. Um, as I was sitting there, if if is anybody here like I mean like me, do you sometimes have? St- trouble getting into the presence of God. Um, I just felt the Lord so clearly say that he's not in a hurry. If you're still on your journey, trying to figure this out, he's not in a hurry with you. He's so for you. If we had a clue of how much Jesus actually loved us. (laughs) Uh. So we thank you for your love, Lord. Lord. We're not orphans who come to the table scratching and clawing to get something from you. But in your love, you've given us everything. So we receive that this morning. Well, I'm Nick. Uh, I'm a pastor here. It's good to be in God's house, huh? Amen. Amen. I wanna invite us this morning uh, to take a moment of uh, self-reflection, to invite Jesus to search us, to be vulnerable before him. Um, I, I, just at the forefront, I, I did not come to tickle your ears this morning. I came to burn up your heart. Jesus, in that, in that text we preached on last week, it says that as he was teaching the word, their hearts began to burn. How many of you know, we, didn't, we don't come to get entertained. We, we come for him. And so, so this morning, I, I, I want us to lean in because I believe that God has something really good for us. I've been in this journey now for the better part of a year where God has been teaching me uh, about the, the surgeon's knife of the Holy Spirit. I've learned that uh, it's actually better to come under the knife of the Holy Spirit than to sit at the table of the enemy in good health. Actually, it's, it's, it's the illusion that you are even alive at the enemy's table that, that the Lord loves to expose. Right. If 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 the Holy Spirit is not pressing on you, if the Holy Spirit is not molding you, that's cause for concern. Right. I mean. I mean. We're following Jesus here. He ought to take us somewhere. And so, uh, the passage of scripture that we're going to read, it's going to challenge us. It's going to convict us. It's gonna cause us to to reflect. And as we do that, I just wanna encourage you this morning to fix your eyes on him, to receive what he has from you. Amen? This is my entire sermon right here. The cost of following Jesus, whatever he would demand of you, when you catch a vision of how beautiful he truly is, is a worthwhile and joyful decision. I'm gonna say it again. The cost of following Jesus, whatever he would ask of you, when we catch a vision of the treasure that he truly is, is a joy-filled and worthy sacrifice. And I would, I would commit to you today that it's not even a sacrifice. If you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew 13. Verse 44. It'll read like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Pray with me. Jesus, right now, we are aware of our distractions. We're aware of, uh, of life as it's happening. We're aware that there could be a, a million things that we could think about right now. And we ask, Holy Spirit, right now for grace to think about you to focus on you, to give our attention to you. And Jesus, I ask right now in the name, uh, in your name, through your spirit to manifest yourself where people are wandering, where people are hurting, where people are are broken and, and needing a touch from you today. I ask that you would give them exactly what they need. We came here for you and you alone. So, so right now, Holy Spirit, just anoint this time. Speak to your children. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The subject of this parable, that's what that piece of scripture is called. A parable Jesus often speaks in them because he's confusing sometimes. It's what he identifies as the kingdom of God. And if you're reading through the New Testament, uh, There's two phrases that generally are used uh, to refer to what he's talking about here. He uses the phrase, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And just so that none of us are confused here this morning, just wanted to clarify at the very beginning, these are synonymous phrases. What it's rooted in is a Jewish tradition that fears to take the Lord's name in vain. And so the best way to not take the Lord's name in vain is to not say the Lord's name at all. And so in these more Jewish texts, they don't use the name of God. And instead, they use the name of the place where he dwells, which is heaven. Amen? So Jesus is speaking about uh, a kingdom here. This is a kingdom that's both internal and external. It is the kingdom, uh, the reign and rule of God in the earth, and the reign and rule of God in the human heart This is where God rules and executes his authority on the earth and in the recesses of the human being. So Jesus says that this kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field and not everyone finds it. See, the paradox of the kingdom of God is that it is in plain sight, yet many do not perceive it. It is among us. It is here, yet many can identify it. But this man, he does. And the parable says that he he goes to to cover it up. Now, because you guys are 21st century people like me, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I was like, why is the treasure in the field? We have banks. So... I did some research and this was actually a really popular thing to do when, when the best, right? There's an old rabbinic saying the best, uh, there was only one safe repository for wealth and that is the earth. So Jesus, I want to paint this picture is, is telling a story of a man, most likely a worker in a field. And he, and, and he stumbles upon this collection of, of treasure and, He goes and he sells everything that he has and he buys that treasure. The man in the parable looks at everything he owns, which in his day, and I would argue in ours as well, is everything that adds to his identity. To sell everything that you own is to sell everything that adds value and meaning to your life. Think of what this man potentially had to give up, his household, his animals, His furniture, anybody have a good couch? His heirlooms, significant memories, his neighbors. This man goes to give up everything for the sake of having the treasure that he finds in this field. But I I love the intentional wording of Jesus here. He doesn't use passive language that, that gives off the idea that this is happening to this man, right? That's how we often approach God. Oh God, why do you have to take this from me? Do I really have to go apologize and reconcile and stop living in bitterness and shame that's crippling me? <laughs> right? I'm the only one here. <laughs> See, it's, it's actually God that's fighting on our behalf and we fight with him. Right? We're fighting with the very thing that God's trying to use to bless us and bless our lives. The world understands this. The world understands the the call of discipleship. They know that God is good. They may even know some church sayings. They may even know some Bible verses. But they feel the tension, the difficulty of their inability to sell everything that they own for the treasure, In this parable, selling everything you own is the image for all-in discipleship to the person of Jesus Christ. And the world understands this. Maybe you today walked in here and feel this. Maybe this is how you understand God. You're desperately trying to serve and love him and feeling like you're never good enough feeling like you fail too much, feeling like you have too much guilt, too much shame, too much baggage, and the thought of going another week, not just following Jesus, but living itself, is crippling. If that's you this morning, if there is any struggling saints in the house today, I have good news for you. What I've been describing, what what that is, that do, do, do in order to be is the difficulty of trying to purchase the land without knowing the value of the treasure. You see, you will not give yourself to Jesus if he's not everything, if you don't perceive him with the eyes of your heart to be the most satisfying, compelling, and beautiful thing that has ever existed and will ever exist. The problem is not what I know. The problem is, is not what I confess. The problem is what I love. And Jesus gets right at the heart of that here. The point of this entire parable is the, is the value of the hidden treasure and what it produces in the person that finds it. And so that's where we're going today. That's what Jesus wants to talk about, amen? Amen. He first wants to talk about, he wants to teach about the value of the treasure. There is perhaps no greater mistake, no greater sadness than to misunderstand the benefits of the gospel of the kingdom of God for the gospel itself. So categorically, definitively, I'm just gonna read off what the gospel is not. The gospel is not security. The gospel is not money or wealth. It's not success. It's not favor. It's not healing. It's not power. It's not authority. It's not boldness. We're we're struggling right now in 2021 as the global church because we've preached that those things are the gospel. And if we haven't preached it, we have functionally acted as it is so. Now, before we go any further, please hear me. God gives us all those things. Amen? He does. But if those things come from God, then by logical priority, he has to come first. And if he doesn't come first, we are in deep trouble. The gospel is that we get Jesus. The gospel is that we get him. He is the treasure. He is more valuable than any other gift. He is more valuable than any other treasure, any other person, any other thing. It is him, church, that you are created for this morning. I can only but try to describe him to you. I'd first start with his supremacy. He is the image of the invisible God. All things hold together. He is no simple man. He is the pinnacle of humanity. He is no simple God. He is God of all gods. He rules over the, over the heavens and the earth. What about his, his eternality? He never had a beginning, he simply is. Before Abraham was, he says, I am. His power, all authority in heaven and on the earth has been given into his hands. He holds it and he decides when, where, and how he will use it. His knowledge, in him are the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hidden before the foundations of the earth. His exclusivity, his works, and his words will outlast heaven and earth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him and him alone. His sinlessness. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned, yet he became sin for us and on our behalf. His glory. The resurrection glory of Jesus. The King and Lord of glory. His justice, whether on the cross or at the judgment seat, he will render to every person according to what they have done. He will faithfully Administer justice as the only one who is capable of doing so? His forgiveness, come on, somebody. He's a patient God, he's abounding in steadfast love and mercy. His patience in the city of Chicago as little boys are getting gunned down in our streets, the patience of Jesus calling us to repent, calling us to turn, calling us to come back to him. Guys, I'm so confused with these notes. Thank you. Just gonna Just gonna write a research paper up here. What is going on? Those are just a few. What could we say of his holiness, his purity, his righteousness, his suffering, his humility, his meekness, his sorrow, his dignity, his mediation on our behalf, his dependency on his father? His kindness, his gentleness, his love. He's the paradox of all paradox. We're talking about the treasure here. He's the paradox of all paradoxes. He is utterly opposed to your sin, yet completely near to you. He's fully aware of our inability to keep his words and his command, yet continually calls us to repentance in his kindness. He's fully aware of our shame and our guilt and our self-condemning attitudes, yet continually invites us to take his righteousness and his life. He is fully aware of how miserably fickle and shallow we are as individuals, Yet he opens up the depths of his divine life to us. He knows how often we want to leave the house of the father and go play in the pigsties. And he he continues to invite us to come feast at the king's table. To make it personal, he met me, a broken little boy with daddy issues ready to smoke whatever, drink whatever. And he fathered me when I didn't have a father. He loved me when I didn't know what love was or even want love. You see, um, if your expectation of the gospel is that Jesus just wants to save you, we're missing it. Jesus wants to give you everything that is his. He wants to give you everything, right? If we are seated in heavenly places, then when we come to the table with him, we receive everything that he does. This is really good news this morning, that I don't just get out of hell free, but I actually get every gift of heaven. This is the gospel, guys. The good news is not that we get the treasure. The good news is that the treasure actually wants you this morning. I wanna wanna say that again. I want you to receive that this morning. The good news is not that you just found the treasure. The good news is that the treasure looks at you this morning, and he delights in you. He's for you. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you did last week. Right now, he is for you. And he invites you to come and sit at his table and feast on his love. That's the treasure. But as we keep reading, it says that in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now I'm going to get nerdy. Uh, this prepositional phrase, in his joy, is the hinge that this entire teaching shifts on. Jesus intentionally uses his phrase, this phrase to show what the treasure produces in the person that finds it. This is the joy from the treasure. It is when we catch this, when the revelation that Jesus is the treasure. How many know, all right. How many know we don't hold convictions? Convictions hold us. It's not about what what we think. It's like what we do reveals what we think. And so when we catch this, when this takes deep root in our souls, In our minds, something happens to us. Better yet, something happens inside of us. Just looking for my notes. My goodness. All right, it's not there. Bear with me, guys. Whatever. It is what it is. Discipleship to Jesus, when we understand it, is the greatest, most joy-filled experience that we could ever have. It is the joy that having the treasure produces in you that makes every difference. This is the difference between a mundane discipleship to Jesus that is... um, how do I say it, Uh, monotonous, that's just going through the motions, that's trying to buy the field apart from the value of the treasure. And this is the difference between discipleship to Jesus that oozes with eternal life, to know him and to not just know about him, but to know him deeply and know his heart for you. This is what we're invited into this morning. And so discipleship to Jesus, when we understand it, church, it truly is the greatest treasure because it's him. Worship team, can you guys come back up? So I want to take a, a moment today um, And invite us to search our hearts. Because what this story reveals, what this teaching about, from Jesus reveals, is that what we treasure in our hearts is the thing that gives us the most joy. I mean, let me say it backwards. The thing that gives you the most joy is the thing that you truly treasure the most this morning. And the invitation to us is not that Jesus is turned off by the fact that we have other joys. The invitation is to look at Jesus and find something so valuable, so precious, so worthy of your praise and adoration that all other joys pale in comparison. And so I want to invite us this morning, if... if 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 you have been trying to buy the field without knowing the value of the treasure, I wanna invite you to come and view the treasure. We're gonna open up the altars. We're gonna have pastors come up, some leaders come up, um, and just invite you into a moment of truly sitting with the Lord allowing him to search your heart. How many know Jesus is not a coercive tyrant? He's a compelling king. He will lure you with his love. He will compel you with his character. But he will have no rival. And so I want to invite us this morning, if there are rivals, to lay them down, because that's what an altar is for. The, the picture that we get at the end of the Bible in Revelation is that the 12 elders in heaven surround King Jesus and they cast their crowns before him because he's holy and he's worthy of all that they own. And so I just want to, we're going to, the band's going to play, they're going to sing and we're just going to, we're just going to adore Jesus because that's what we were made for. We were created for him. If you're trying, to, if you're, if you're trying to, to, to figure out life apart from him, it's never gonna happen. It's just not. Because he created you for himself, right? The, the, the fifth century monk, St. Augustine, he says it like this, you stir us so that in praising you, we may have joy for you created us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you so there's so so yeah the band's just going to play i just want to invite us right now don't be distracted There's so much of Jesus that we have never began to even begin to grasp. He is the treasure and the mystery that has been hidden for all the ages. And so this morning, if, if your discipleship to him is not all in, I want to encourage you to come and throw aside every weight that's keeping that from happening because he's worthy of that. Holy Spirit, right now, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that you are the greatest treasure, God, that has ever come into our path. And so in these moments, we ask you right now, Holy Spirit, come and minister to us. Come and reveal Jesus in a greater measure. Come show us, Lord, how good you truly are. As Alyssa was praying, God, we just ask you, ask you to come and show yourself to us in a greater measure. God, I thank you right now, for the ways that you are breaking down self-hatred in this room. That you are a king that invites us to come sit at your table. That there's not another thing we need to do to get on your good side, but you have given us everything in Jesus. So we rest in that right now and we ask Holy Spirit for you to come. Come and do what only you can do with the surgeon's knife. In Jesus' name, amen.